hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Nice, nice. All right, cool. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. And um, before we get started, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting season one all the way to season eight. And by the time you guys hear this, this is actually season eight, episode nine. And I want to give a shout real quick to Gardenia Zuniga of GZ Publicity. Um, she's been my plug of like introducing me and connecting me to um, some artists from the Bay and Northern Cali. And this next lady right here, I got a chance to really sit down and peep the music and read about the articles written about her. Um, for all those who are um, that got Apple Music or Spotify, y'all gotta check out. She got two albums out. Uh, she dropped one in 2020, a self-titled album called Tia Elani. And 2021, she dropped For Me, the deluxe version. And she's also dropped four EPs. She dropped one called Seasons in 2018, Mood Board 2019. She dropped one in Movement. She dropped one in 2020 called Movement and Thick in 2021. And her newest singles called Malosi. And she's been rocking the shows, man. She's been rocking the fairs, Pacific Island Day. She's been rocking festivals out here. And she's also an actress. If you can catch her on um, Reckless Behavior, the series, she's also got some writing and directing skills in her. And um, ladies and gents, without no further ado, we got Miss Taya Ilani. Hi. Wow, that was like a really cool introduction. Like it made it seem like I had so much <laughs> on my plate. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was cool. Hi, how is everybody doing? And I want to pronounce it correctly. Tia, you prefer Tia, not Taya. It's, it, it's, Tia. it's Taya. You actually said it right. It was Taya, Taya. Taya No doubt, yeah. Taya. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight for the podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Like, I'm. thank you for having me. Cool, cool. So, yo, I asked all my guests, where were you born and raised? Oh, my gosh. Um, so that's like a variety of answers. Um, I was born in the Central Valley, um, Hanford, California. Mm. Um, but then when I was eight years old, I ended up moving to the Bay Area. And I lived in um, Newark and then Fremont for a while. Wow. Um, and then grew up, I grew up mostly in Fremont. So I credit the Bay Area of um, as where I was raised. Um, but also my aunt, who I'm really, really close with, she lives in Oakland. Fourth up and down everywhere in the Bay Area. Um, and then in 2016, I graduated high school and went to San Francisco State. So I spent some time in San Francisco. So pretty much I'm a Bay Area girl and now I'm in Oakland. Nice, nice. What do you remember about the community of Fremont? Oh my gosh. (coughs) The community of Fremont is very interesting. It's very small. Um, There's, well, not that small, but it's definitely a small town. Um, Pretty much a lot of people know each other. Um, A lot of like recreational activities and um, always things to do. There was, it's, it's, pretty boring over there <laughs> over yeah. there yeah there's really not much about Fremont <laughs> that I can really Interesting. go into yeah what do you remember about the community of Oakland I know you've spent some time in Oakland too what can you say about the community out there so I only really spent time in Oakland when I was visiting my aunt but I always remember hearing the reputation of Oakland and how it was pretty like it was pretty dangerous there was a lot of crime going on so I kind of let that cloud my judgment 
growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I moved here as an adult, I started to notice a lot of the color, the color and the culture that I didn't notice before. And, um, you know, now that I live here now, I just, I really appreciate seeing, just being in this environment um, and seeing all kinds of people all around and um, different kinds of careers and possibilities. Um, so that's that's really, uh, I actually really enjoy living in Oakland a lot. It's probably my favorite city I've ever lived in. So, and I'm still learning more and more about it, so. Nice. Um, let me see. I know that your ethnicity and your culture plays a big part in like your musical choices or the choices of the shows, the type of shows you do. For all those who are tuning in, what's your nationality? What's your ethnicity? Um, I am actually Samoan on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my dad's side, I am black. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with both of my cultures very prominent in my households. Grew up watching a lot of like the classic black movies like The Wiz and The Color Purple and um, listening to artists like Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. So I grew up with that. But then whenever I would visit my mom's side, my grandparents, um, I got to take in a lot of um, the culture of being Samoan. And um, I didn't really realize I was Samoan until I was about like eight or nine. Um, I knew my grandparents were a different ethnicity, but I didn't really know what it was. And then, you know, consciousness of being a child, you start to like notice the things around you. And I started to notice there was a lot of, you know, dancing and singing and a lot of food (laughs) and a lot of just like palm tree decorations everywhere and tatau prints everywhere and as I grew up and got more interested and noticed a lot of these things I started to ask my grandparents more about it and they just you know filled me in on on their own Um, and one thing about you know Polynesian culture is um, they expected us to hide a lot of it so my grandparents felt like they had to hide a lot of their culture to kind of adapt to living in America. Yeah. And they kind of did that with their kids. Like, obviously, they allowed their kids to know, to be present with their culture. Um, but they didn't force them to do it. You know, they didn't force them to dance. They didn't force them to cook <laughs> or do all the, you know, the tra- the traditions. But it wasn't until the grandkids, like me, kind of started to ask and open up that conversation again to where they felt comfortable to start sharing it again. Um, And so Mm. that's kind of how I let that influence a lot of, you know, my music. I feel like no matter what career choice I put myself into, I would have I would always include my culture in it, you know, if I, yeah, if I was a teacher, I would, I would teach them all about the culture. If I were, you know, working in an office, I would have my, my office would be decorated and someone, you know, decorations everywhere. So I don't think, hello, um, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. You got cut for a bit, but I can hear you now. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, but what I was saying was, I don't think the whatever career choice I chose, like I still would have included my culture in there. Um, but one thing about 
like the one that I chose being a being a singer is that there's a lot of spotlight on you and I always enjoyed having the spotlight on me. I always enjoyed having the attention and um, allowing my talent to be portrayed. Mm. And um, I felt like as I got older and I started to get more connected with my culture and being a Samoan woman, I wanted to incorporate a lot of what I was learning into my stage presence and my personality. Um, and I feel like that's a lot different than what you see in a lot of the singers and the actresses and the artists that are happening today. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I incorporate my culture. I love it. So I know you wear a lot of hats. You're, you're a songwriter, you're a performer, you're a recording artist. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you also have experience in acting, whether it's theater or directing. Like, what was the first form of art did you pick up when you were a kid? Was oh my it, gosh. What did you do first? Uh, or fell in love with first and you started doing it first, you know? I don't, I, I, I think it was definitely singing. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I think it was definitely singing just because my mom always, um, like in the morning, VH1 and MTV would play those like music videos in the morning. So I was always, um, my mom always played those. And so I would always see like Beyonce and Aaliyah on the TV, or I would see like Justin Timberlake or Britney Spears. So I used to always watch them and want to be like that. And then obviously when the Disney Channel hype came around, because I was, you know, definitely one of those Disney Channel kids where it was High School Musical and Hannah Montana. I used to watch that all the time. So. It was definitely singing and then seeing that those people on Disney Channel did singing and acting, that's kind of how I kind of jammed it all together. And then over time, I just started developing more stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? what, yeah. Was the fir- what was the first acting gig or acting role you landed that, oh. that, that made it feel like, hey, I can act too, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I did a lot of theater. Nice. So I did, my first theater show was Hairspray. Mm. Uh, a Dynamite, which is basically those supreme type Diana Ross dancers that kind of narrate a lot of certain sections of the show. Um, nice. But I always knew I had more, I was into acting because I would make videos with my mom's computer and just write down the lines of the TV shows that I watched and then would just reenact them in front of my mom's computer or I would just make up sketches. So I formed my acting experience doing that, but it wasn't until I did Hairspray probably when I was 14 years old. So yeah, I was I was 14 when I did my first like real big acting singing performance. And it was it was both acting and singing. So how about like writing or directing? writing Um, and directing when did you start like yeah so actually that actually goes back into theater too where right um, when i was in a sophomore in high school i um, auditioned for one of the musicals and i didn't get into it and it was kind of a bummer for me because i had my high hope um my hopes held high 
and I had just come off of Hairspray, so I felt like I was gonna get into this show, and I didn't. Over time, and I would watch more TV, I started to just like write things down and write scenes, and because I didn't get cast in that show, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be a writer and write shows and write musicals and write scripts and put yeah. myself in them. So that way I can just still have an acting job, but I also got to create the content. Yeah. And so when I was in high school, when I was 17 years old, I had um, joined a video editing class yeah. And I already had the idea. I was like, I'm going to go into this class and do a web series. I'm going to write the script. I'm going to cast people in it. I don't care what the other projects this teacher had planned. I'm going to do my project. And sure enough, because that teacher was a first year teacher, he kind of let me create my show and then catered the class around the scenes that we, um, we wrote. Right, and so right. I casted... I casted all my friends in it, and I just did this teen drama-esque show called The Bay, and it went on for like four episodes, but it was one, I, I'm still pretty proud of it, because I was 17 years old creating a whole show in the middle of senior year of high school, so I still watch it every once in a while, but that was kind of the first time that I got to take the reins of Shit. writing a script directing it casting people for it and then trying to follow a storyline so yeah from from your perspective which one requires more concentration the acting world or or being a recording artist which one takes more energy or just just takes more focus you know i that's a really interesting question because i feel like <laughs> no matter what <laughs> i feel like no matter what your passion or what your um what you're interested in i feel like that's always going to take a certain amount of work i feel like if you asked me um about the sports world too i feel like the sports world would feel like oh no running running and practicing for my sport is more is more uh tasking yeah yeah tasking than than a recording artist like what are you talking about so Mm. i feel like it could go either way but for me because i've been in all of it i think definitely i want to say acting acting kind of is a little more tasking only because yeah most of the time you are working with someone else's work mm-hmm. and you are working with something where yeah you can be collaborative and you can add your own input but for the most part you are contributing to somebody else's piece of art whereas when it comes to music and being a recording artist for yourself you get to create a lot of what um, your focus is and what the art is and you could be a producer and a recording artist, but still have a <clears> strong <throat> contribute contribution to the song. Right. Um, and so I feel like, in my own opinion, just because I'm very um, independent with my work and I am really focused on my own piece of art, I would I, I find it harder having to cater to someone else's art, and that would right. have to be acting. Unless right. I am creating the script, uh, like right, I did right. before, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I feel like being in theater, it requires you to work with others, and oh there's yeah, a, 
there's a yeah. cast, there's a director, yeah. and it requires more patience and it requires more teamwork out of you. But to be a record, but to be a solo recording artist, you're in complete control. Yeah, and honestly, don't even <laughs> honestly don't even get me started on the theater world in general because there's there's the music recording world at, or the music production world. There's the acting world, but then there's the theater world, mm. and everybody will look at somebody in a musical and say, "Oh my gosh, that's wimpy. That's like." <laughs> quote unquote gay or whatever and it's like no that's not that's not the right terminology for any of it because theater is a lot harder and a lot more tasking than what people think it is and this is coming from <clears throat> someone that studied theater in college um and it's there's a lot of catering to a certain mold in theater luckily now with the the age and the times things are slowly evolving but in the 100 plus years of being in theater there are certain molds that you have to um put yourself in you have to be able to sing a certain way you have to be able to act and and walk and even just stand a certain way like i i actually had probably a 30 minute anxious lesson with a theater director on how to stand in a bevel and like that was one of the most like anxious moments of like my my performance career is just sitting there with this director as he's like yelling me yelling at me about not knowing how to stand in a certain way and it's like that's the kind of thing that a lot of people don't really see about the theater world where it's like it 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 ain't no joke it really yeah, ain't man. no joke you know but i feel like that's with you know like i said with anybody's passion it just depends on how much work you put into it I got a chance um I took a little break from the music industry in 2018 till about uh 2020 yeah. and within that year and a half I did uh I took some acting classes and I did theater for about 2 years straight yeah and like I did about maybe 10 plays within that 2 years and I what I learned about myself is that um as an artist whether you're on stage I think what attracts me to theater is that the live the live element yeah yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the the live element of acting live to me it's similar to performing rapping live yeah and that's what it appealed to me it's still yeah. different from each other but the same in that sense yeah and it, like one one <laughs> one of the things when i was in theater cuz i did a lot of theater shows in college was you never know what kind of audience you're going to Yeah. Obviously the same with any kind of, you know, musical tour or, you know, singing songs and just, you know, being on stage, but when it comes to theater and you're acting in this um show and you're trying to give off this big performance and this visual movie live, it's like you never know what kind of audience you're going to get. So the jokes might be funnier one night and they might suck the next night. you know the song might hit harder for certain audiences or you know some of them you're going to get a straight face so that i actually it's like a hit or miss with me with those emotions because it's like i love when we have those different audiences cuz it helps test how how good of a performer i am but then it's also that um anxious feeling where you're like ah oh, i don't know what to do here but you know yeah. 
Everybody works like, better under pressure. Saturday nights are always lit. The Saturday yeah. show is always lit. And the Sunday afternoon show, sometimes it's super lit. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's dead. It's kind of dead. Yeah. But yeah. like the, the closing week, the final week, the yeah. final two days, that's when everyone starts coming out, starts buying more tickets. And when I yeah. learned, like, the, the more you do the show, the more the show gets better, too, you know? Like, the more yeah. you do it. Um, let me ask you this. Let's talk about music. So you you dropped, before we talk about the albums, you dropped four EPs. Out of all the four EPs you dropped, which one did you like the most? Or not like the most, like you had the most fun recording or had the most fun making it? Oh, my gosh. I think all my four EPs, just because... Um, those were very experimental periods in my life where I was still very attached to the theater world. Like I could have, I could have been on Broadway by now if it wasn't for COVID. Like I was doing, I was getting ready to go to competitions. I was ready to, you know, lead all these shows. But at the same time, I was still, you know, experimenting on GarageBand and then made yeah. enough money to experiment on Logic. And so the the four EPs that I dropped were very much just me trying to find the sound that I wanted. Right. Um, you know, Seasons was just like my first ever, like, I'm gonna record something, I'm just gonna put it to a beat. I'm gonna write some songs about some people that I used to, you know, um, that used to, you know, hurt me back in the day. So I'm gonna try that. And then when I got to mood board, which is definitely something that I just had more fun with, I think that's that's really what I, the answer to the question is, mood board was a lot more fun because I got to, I was like, oh, I'm gonna rap on this song, but then I'm gonna do a reggae piece and then I'm gonna do this. And so all those EPs are very much just me experimenting and having fun and just trying different things out until I found what I wanted to sound like or nice. how I wanted to feel when I listened to my own songs, you know? Nice. You be talking shit in these songs, girl. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know who you're talking shit to, but I'm listening. You be talking yeah. shit. You be talking <laughs> shit. Let me yeah. ask you this. This is a two-part question. I should have asked you this before the EPs, yeah. but before we even got to the EPs, like, how old were you when you started writing your own songs? Like, just messing around writing songs. Oh, that, yeah, that was probably, like, five years old, just, like, writing random rhymes, like, just random rhyming, like, cat and hat, beach, and, and, I don't know, just, like, these random, just, like, Dr. Seuss-esque words that were songs, and then over time, um, you know, when the Disney Channel phase happened, I was like, ooh, I want to write songs for Disney Channel, and then getting older, and, um, hearing like Rihanna and Beyonce and all those artists I just just um it wasn't until I got to college um was when I started recording everything um I think I was about 19 years old um just because you know I could never really afford the equipment and you know the 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 what's it called the software and stuff and I wanted the software to to get started and that's probably why I procrastinated for so long in my childhood but when I got to college and I got all of the resources to finally start that's when I really started to just like record these songs and make beats to them and you know legitimize them forever 
Wow. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Um, let's talk about the debut album, uh, 2020. You dropped the self-titled mm-hmm. album. Um, mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself making your first full-length album? So that is mm-hmm. actually really interesting to me because Taya Ilani, I named it Taya Ilani because that was when I started going by Taya Ilani. You know, my, my full name is Taya Ilani Alexander. And for a while I was going by Taya Alexander for my EPs, but after a while I was like, no, I want my own name, you know? And I, I love my, my last name. I love my grandparents who gave it to me, my dad who gave it to me. I really appreciate my last name, but Taya Ilani always felt like a name that belonged to me. It didn't belong to anybody else. You know, I shared my surname with everybody else. Taya Ilani was something that was simply mine. And so when I recorded those songs, I, it was honestly, I feel like Taya Ilani, the debut one was more on the EP side as well, where it felt more experimental. And to be honest, I, I would credit for me, the one that was released in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021 as my real true debut album, because that was the album where I was like, wow, this is the sound I want to, I want to make. Like, this is, this is the sound I want. And, but I don't want to take away the credit from Taya Ilani because I feel like Taya Ilani was kind of the precursor to, for me, you know, and, um, yeah i just learned i learned about my sound what i wanted to do how i wanted to do it how i wanted to tell these stories um of of my own life um in a way where it wasn't this like bubblegum pop feeling but it wasn't too r&b it was just fun i like making songs that sound fun and you know, they may sound a little weird to some people and they're like, oh, this isn't R&B, this isn't pop. No, it's fun. That's what it, that's the genre that I want to make. Right. Um, before we talk about your album, For Me, you want to you know what's my favorite song on that? That I was like, what? looking to that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love, I love Amicable. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a, yeah, a lot of people like that one a lot. That was actually And let me tell you song. this. Yeah. Amicable, amicable is the word that adults use when we're not really fucking with you. So, for example, if someone yeah. says, hey, are you still with so-and-so? We're amicable. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. Like, that means yeah. y'all ain't good, you know? Yeah. And um, actually, I like that. Yeah. yeah so, that that album, the reason I credit it as my, my debut album because I yeah. wrote that during COVID entirely during COVID. You know, that three month lockdown period where I had nothing else to do, I would just go in my parents' garage and just work on it. And Amigaly is actually the first song that I I plunked out of that album. So I, that's one of the first songs. Um, And I remember writing it and like making the beat, because I always made the beats first and then made the songs um, against them or the lyrics against them, but I remember thinking that I wanted to write a song where it was like, yeah, we're breaking up and we don't like each other, but it was mutual. (laughs) Like, and I feel like a lot of it, a lot of the narrator, um, me singing it was like, yeah, you kind of get on my nerves. You kind of do a lot of things that I don't like, 
but I don't not like you. I just don't want to be with you anymore. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure you understand you feel the same way about me. So why why turn it into a big fight when we could just like break up right now here and here amicably, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. But thank you. I, I really appreciate that you like that song because it, it was um, definitely one of my favorites to perform for a while. That's like a classy way to tell your ass they're done with you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, it's it's mutual, it's amicable, but I don't fuck with you no more. It's so funny, dude. Um, let me ask you this. So, um, 2023, I would say, like, believe it or not, like, we're almost halfway done, like, yeah, with this year. Uh, what are some of your short-term goals for the re- for the remainder of the year? What are you trying to accomplish for the rest of 2023? Um, I think I definitely want to accomplish finishing my newest album. Nice. Um, you know, What's you went, um, I, okay, so it, for a minute, I wanted to call it Malosi, which was the title of my new so- single. Um, right, right. But it's, it's been ever changing. Like it's been, I've been finding new things in the songs that I write that make me want to change, change, but just evolve it even more and turn it into something better than I thought it would be. And so, you know, in the beginning, when you're going through all my my whole discography, you know, I'm punking out EPs, I'm punking out um, an album from 2019 to to 2020, or no, 2021, just punking them out, punking out songs, like just getting it out there. Um, this is probably the first time where I I really focused on taking my time, and you know. Um, Gardenia, who is one of my dearest friends, like I love her yes. to death. She was one of the people that was like, Taya, you don't have to rush to get things out. You don't have yeah. to, you know, you don't have to just plunk out songs because you think everybody else is doing it and you're going to get TikTok famous because, you know, you're plunking out all these just random beats. Like, you, it's okay to take your time. And yeah. so, yeah, and I, I would have dropped Malosi and al- the album probably last summer but if it wasn't for hearing that in my ear of being able to take my time I was pissed at her though (laughs) I was mad because I remember giving her all this song and being like I'm ready to drop an album and her being like are you ready though I remember being so pissed but now looking back um even months later looking back I was like no she was right like everybody is right you gotta take your time with your art and and even if it's gonna take you like another two years like just make sure it's it's the way you want to you want it to sound and because i spent all that time plunking out songs and finding my sound i feel like i finally found it and it's just strengthening it strengthening it right now um but i really do want to try to get this this album out because every time i listen to it because uh, every time I listen to it, I I feel like oh my gosh, this is this is beyond what I've done before. Like this is this is g- re- really strong. This is strong music. This is strong songwriting. Like I feel like this could really take me places, but it's not strong enough yet. It's almost there, and um, I really hope that I can do that by the end of the year, or maybe even the beginning of the year. But like I said, I'm not gonna gonna rush it. No doubt. I love the yeah. attitude, man. Like, yeah. um, I love how you're open that you're 
open to the idea that you're getting better and you're still finding yourself and um yeah you're you're peeling back another layer of truth in your music yeah. you know like um songwriting i'm sure it's therapeutic for you it is it is and um let me ask you this what what do you think is going to separate this album from the other two what do you think is going to make this one different oh um i think what's going to make it different is you'll get to hear the you'll get to hear my improvements and you'll get to hear mm. my new strengths and mm. my growth in my songs um i've already played it for a couple people and i um even just listening to it myself i feel like i have really grown as an artist but also as a storyteller um and being able to to tell these stories and have these different themes in my songs that i had i haven't had before um and like you said i had a lot of songs where i was like talking talking all my shit and saying you know fuck you to everybody and you know <laughs> letting people get out of my way um but this time i i went into my songs and i was like why am i saying fuck you to this person though yeah like what 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 made me want to write this to this person what made me want to say this to this person what made me want to tell this story and i think i i went in there a lot and I try to focus more on the characters that I am, you know, cuz I'm not the same person like every day. I'm not trying to say I have like multiple personalities or whatever, but you know, everybody goes through different phases and what and I wanted to experiment with my different phases and the different um person the different people I am today in comparison to yesterday in comparison to tomorrow. So I think, you know, a lot of reflection is what you're going to see in the next album that I create. Boy, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. For what's your I, I know you've been doing shows, you've been doing shows, mm-hmm. some big shows. What's your favorite hat to wear? Do you like recording songs, writing the songs or performing it? Which one do you like the most? Oh, I I think I think um this is actually not even in the options that you gave me but I think listening to the song itself and I know that's such a basic you know action but listening to the song that I created after recording it and before performing it it allows me to give that get that visual of of what the song means you know yeah. i may have you know created these lyrics and created the theme within creating the song but it is it almost always isn't until after i'm already listening to it alone and just like gathering all the elements of the song where i really understand like oh I thought I was writing a lyric about a guy cheating on me when in reality I'm writing this song about somebody that is, you know, um unrealistic with themselves. Like it's like there's like a different theme that I hear when I'm listening to it. And so when I listen to that final product, it also gives me the visual of how I want to perform it. Right. Um, you know, is this going to be 
a song where I want the crowd to get hyped? Is this a song where I want to get intimate with the crowd? You know, that's that listening portion and just taking in all the elements of the song, that is really my favorite part of the whole process because I just I, I need to be able to, to visualize it. And that's, that gives me the time to really do it on my own without other people, you know, nagging at me or getting their opinions. I can just sit in my room and just listen to it. <laughs> so, yeah. How has the reception been like performing live? Do you get a chance to talk to the peoples? Do you get a chance to network? Like, how is that like for you just doing it live and, and meeting the peoples af- after, you know? Supporters. Yeah, it's always it's always a, a a very like refreshing feeling getting yeah. to meet people because yeah. the the uh, anticipation of getting onto the stage and doing the performance and <laughs> you know is everyone gonna like the song is everyone gonna like me you know that's the part that's really the hardest it's not yeah. even performing on the stage. It's, it's, <laughs> It's the anticipation of... Our insecurities sometimes, you know? Yeah, and so I will get on the stage and then I will hear people that's like, ooh, she's good. Like, I'll hear that one person in the background that's like, ooh, she's good. Ooh, look at her outfit. Ooh, look at her, her, um, the way she's dancing. Like, get it, girl. Some of them will even, because a lot of my songs can get a little repetitive, they'll start to catch on to it and sing it back to me. And that's like, that's really fun to, like, to hear um but a lot of my shows I perform in front of kids and you know kids is my favorite favorite type of audience just seeing like especially performing in front of like these Samoan and these Polynesian and these people of color communities where I see a lot of little girls that kind of look like me or you know they aren't they aren't these like typical little girls that you see on TV all the time like these are you know little girls just wanting to you know exist freely and want to be seen and I feel like I see a lot of that when they're watching me and you know a lot of people are like oh okay Taya you're letting that get to your head well no it's not because I don't I never really got to see a performer like this so close in my reach like I had to I had to like spend thousands and thousands of money just to go see my favorite person in concert but even so that person was probably like a white person you know we barely <laughs> had a yeah you know we barely had a lot of you know women of color luckily now we have a lot of different women from a lot of different cultures you know representing um i'm still looking for the you know the samoan woman out there or the polynesian women out there like we we are very talented and we're still we're all climbing you know the ladder but you know it's when we haven't been on top yet and Yo, I, I really want to i really want us to you know i want that door to be open for us no doubt i grew up in oxnard california so um i, yeah. I grew i grew up with some samoans and, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah all I, when, all I all i know is this yo samoans are the most loving people yeah and, and super super humble and super approachable, super friendly, but yeah. do not fuck with the Samoan. Oh my gosh, no! They will, they will. <laughs> do, don't, don't, don't take that. As a, 
don't take that kindness for weakness with them. Absolutely. Nah, not. man. Yeah, Samoans no. can turn. Samoans can turn on that switch real quick. Oh my gosh! And I don't even <laughs> like. I don't even want to stereotype, but you don't even realize. I don't even realize how like Samoan I really am until like there's certain like like I'll go to the gym and I'll be working out and I'll like three thousand pound weight or something not 3,000 pounds but I'm just over exaggerating but and I'll be like oh my gosh I am a lot stronger than I think and that's so like Samoan of me or I'll like go out with my friends and like I'll get catcalled or like there'll be like guys trying to hit on me or trying to grab on me but like my Samoan like ass big ass arms will just like knock them like out of my hand and just keep walking like it didn't even bother me you know if I was some like petite smaller girl like no offense to you know all the women of all different sizes like I I would have gotten you know hurt but no for me like I'll I'll, I'll fight you like I don't know but I guess that's what's the no. in me I don't know <laughs> yo mad love to all the Samoans out there no um, for real yeah yeah it's funny like um <laughs> like when I was thinking about hitting the road, you know, like in mm-hmm. the future, like when things really are busy, if things get hectic, I was thinking if I ever had to hire security, I, I, I would call my Samoan friends first. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Like, I, I, got co- I, I got a cousin that works like, security. I got cousins that work security. Like, that's like the number one. And you know what? A lot of these big major celebrities have Samoans as their security guards like I there was once um celebrity I think it was I think it was like Chris Brown or something or you know one of those hip-hop artists where they had like these big Samoan people as you know their security guards and I'm like honestly power to y'all like Samoans are getting a bag while y'all are getting protected and like the vibe and the attitude, um, and just the just the approach on culture and family. Uh, yeah. Samo- Samoan people remind me of my fellow Filipinos. It's, yeah. It's similar yeah. in some ways. Like it's we're the same, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, um, how do I say this? Music. Yeah. Um, what would be your tips, especially to the young Polynesian girls out there? That are trying to get in the music business what would be your advice for them honestly just go for it like yeah. i feel like that's such a basic thing that a lot yeah. of celebrities and a lot of you know people role models say but honestly it's really just <laughs> go for it like if you yeah. feel like if you feel like you're gonna do it wrong like how are you gonna know if you don't try you know i i do i have no knowledge i didn't go to school at all for you know music production and making beats and sometimes my keys are a little off like i have i have issues seeing on key singing but that hasn't stopped me from performing that hasn't stopped me from writing a song so it's like it you know songs that you write or your first couple of beats that you make or um anything like that they're not going to be the best but as long as you start you have somewhere to go from like it's just you need a starting point so that's that's all i have to say is just give yourself the start the starting point at least i mean it's no different with any other hobbies like 
If someone wants to run track, give yourself a starting point. If someone wants to design clothes, give yourself a starting point. That's it, it's really just about starting. That's it. <laughs> no doubt. And then yeah. I just I also look at it like everything is practice. Yeah. Uh, the, the more EPs, the more albums you record, the more shows you do, the more interviews you do, all that is just practice. It's just yeah. Just, you just because see, going for it means for all those who are starting out and you want to go for it. I hate to say this, but you have to say yes to almost every opportunity offered yeah. to you. Yeah. You're gonna have to do some free shows. You're yeah. gonna have to do some shows. Um, in the boonies where, where where it wasn't promoted right um, yeah. you're gonna take some losses in this and go, yeah. <laughs> going for it means you're willing to ride it out when times are good and when times are bad you know, like yeah. you said not every song will be good yeah. but the more the more you do it I think the more you'll just keep getting better and better like honestly so, yeah going for it means you just do it yeah, just do it. Just, just, just go. Do it. Like, yeah. it doesn't even matter who. Like, and then it, you don't even have to show anybody like your first couple of songs or your first couple of projects. Just, just do it for yourself. Like, that's really all that matters is starting, starting your career for yourself or starting your your vibe, your your song, whatever. And the music industry is the worst business. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, that it you is. Can get in, that you can get into, but yeah. How do I say this, man? Um, if you get in this music business, you're gonna take some losses, you know. Definitely. But you gotta accept that that's part of it. Yeah. And um, if if you keep doing this, it's also a lifestyle. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it, it becomes a lifestyle. Are you ready to do shows every weekend? It's gonna happen. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. every yeah. Saturday and Sunday or every Friday, Saturday, you got a show. Um, are you ready to hit the road? Yeah. Um, are you ready for some criticism? It's yeah. It's funny that you said, like, you know, the most toughest thing is right before you go on stage, we get our insecurities and, the, and our anxieties get the best of us. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that true artists and real artists that same insecurity is also like the fuel to keep going it's weird it like yeah that, yeah like that insecurity will kill you for sure if you let it but it's yeah. that same insecurity that will drive you to keep doing it like oh, you yeah. gotta conquer that fear every time you go on stage you gotta yeah. conquer that fear every and what's, time <laughs> yeah what's funny is that like i have longest time and even still a little bit today i have a issue with you know the perception of myself you know seeing like the the way people think about me and you know some of the misconceptions about me and you know like rumors and gossip and you know uh, my personality um, in front of the camera and behind in front of the microphone on stage and off stage you know I have a big issue um, I take it to heart I, I take a lot of the comments to heart and I know that's not ideal for an artist but I mean, when you enter this kind of spotlight, you can't help but, you know, pay attention to those things. But even though I have an issue with that, I my favorite thing in the entire planet is to prove people wrong. Right. So despite, you know, getting all worked up about the comments that were said about me, 
when I end up proving that person wrong, it's 10 times better than the anxiety I felt before. You know, I've had so many people doubt me, like doubt everything from my family to my friends to enemies to frenemies, like people that have really, you know, doubted, you know, my my worth in anything, you know? And, you know, the songs that you were just talking about, the, the Taya Ilani album, I got made fun of to my core by some of my friends at the time, you know? People that were like, oh, Taya, this sounds like, ugh, whatever. You're trying to be a pop star now? Like, Taya, you're doing this? But it's like, years later, I'm doing interviews about these songs, you know? And those people are doing nothing. Like, most of those people are not, are barely doing anything. So it's like, I I can trip off in the moment, but I know the payoff is gonna be 10 times better later on, whether it takes years or decades, you know? No doubt. And the regret of not going for your dreams, I think that's even hurtful. Yeah. Like, if you don't go for it, I think, I think you, there's gonna be something missing in your soul. And I think that's tougher than, yeah. than going through the losses in the industry. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather go for it and get bumped and get knocked down than yeah. like sitting there and you get older and you realize, damn, I didn't and go for it. And think about what could have happened. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't go for it, you know. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this: like, um, any, well, before we end, I, I wanted to ask you your role in Reckless Behavior the series, like. You, oh yeah let's tell the people about your involvement in the show and your role talk about your character mm. oh my gosh so i actually um am one of the newer characters i'm a i'm a much smaller character as well i play um i'm going to be playing tabitha tabitha who is um the lead character's assistant and so i entered the show and I knew that I kind of just wanted a small role I didn't really want to do a lot with it I mean if the role gets bigger who knows I don't I I mean I love acting so I wouldn't be opposed to it but um one of the reasons why I was so interested in the show was I felt like a lot of the elements of the show I could really relate to and not just the actual content and the storylines and the plot and the characters itself, but the actual upbringing of how the show came to be, you know? Um, Reckless Behavior is a Bay Area um, web series that was created probably like two, three years ago. Um, So I'm gonna be coming in into its third season and the show follows um, a main character, her name is Michaela, and she, you know, navigates life being in um, a college graduate in the Bay Area. So Bay Area as rappers in the show, we see athletes in the show, we see writers, we see all kinds of people just, you know, navigating their lives and, and um, you know, just everyday life of living in Oakland. And I really identified with that because one, we don't have a lot of shows that are set in the Bay Area that really tell a story of what the Bay Area culture really is like. Like hyphy culture, you know, tech culture, you know, um, just everything that goes on in the Bay Area. There's so much more than just, you know, the San Francisco, you know, full house type mess, you know what I mean? Like Silicon Valley stuff. So I felt like really compelled to, you know, be involved in the show because I just enjoyed watching it as a viewer. Like I, I really enjoyed the, the storylines and I enjoyed that 
it was a bunch of creators who came together and said let's create a web series like this isn't you know network like owned by um <laughs> owned by these big you know television networks trying to scam us no this is a like real life people just trying to you know create content and create a pro- project and honestly um we start filming like later on this year which i'm excited for and i am so grateful that we get to have these conversations about the production knowing there's a whole writer strike going on you know knowing that there's like artists out there barely getting paid for their work while we're out here just doing it because we want to for the fun of it you know and um yeah that's that's basically you know Rico's behavior i um but I, and I don't want to give away too much because, you know, the show, you guys should just watch the show, honestly. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So where can people where can people tune in to watch the show? Um, you can definitely follow the Reckless Behavior Instagram account and on there there's like links to, you know, you can watch. I think they have it on Tubi too. I think um Reckless Behavior has been on I don't know if it's Tubi or one of the other streaming sites. I have to get back to you on that one, but uh, you could definitely watch it on YouTube as well. Nice, nice. Yo, I ask you know over the years when I've interviewed Bay Area artists, I always ask them what makes the Bay Area spot special. There's something special. Oh, always since the beginning yeah. of time. Like, what makes the Bay Area like produce? the most unique artist the unique sound and just yeah. the, in, the independent music game out there has been popping since the two short days E40 yeah. days what's up with the Bay Area why you guys produce greatness I think I've said this word so many times during this interview but I think it has to do with culture within yeah, itself no doubt no um, doubt I, um, aside from theater, I also studied um, communications and we read a lot of, you know, articles, um, especially by Bell Hooks, about culture and how culture plays a big part in a lot of our lives. And culture isn't just about, you know, ethnicity and nationality um, and, you know, Filipino culture, Samoan culture, Black culture, whatever. It's also just about the intersections of what you involve yourself in. Um, for example, you know, shirt culture, you know, everybody that's involved in theater knows that there's a certain guidelines to how to be successful in theater. Same thing with rap. In the rap game, there's certain, there's certain ways to go about, you know, the structure of it all, the, the business of it all, and that creates rap culture. And so the Bay Area itself, we have and I don't even want to say we because I don't even credit myself like the people before me have created a culture where it allows these artists to be themselves and it allows these artists to have fun and 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 be artistic in in their own ways you know there's not a lot of strict limits um when it comes to Bay Area culture everybody just kind of um loves you as you are and you can present yourself as you are no matter where you are you know in the bay area um and i feel like when you see when you're in the presence of that and you see all of that culture being displayed very openly 
Like, for example, you know, seeing all the murals about of our culture, seeing all the the art that's just displayed everywhere. Once you're you, it, you can't help but get those creative juices flowing yourself, expanding on the art that's already here and and you know evolving with it, you know, and allowing Bay Area culture to change, um, but also stick to the heart, you know, the heart of being from the Bay Area, you know? No doubt. Yo, before we get off, like, are there any announcements, any shows, any projects you want to drop soon that you want to announce to the people's out here listening? Honestly, I would just say, you know, I'm going to be doing the, the fair scene all throughout the um, the summer. So you can catch me in um, June, July, September, and um, I think October as well. So um, if you follow me on Instagram, Taya Ilani, T-E-A-E-L-A-N-I, you will get literally updates of all my shows the second I find out about them. Um, whether they're a month ahead of time, three months ahead of time. So you guys can definitely follow me there. Um, and then also, like I said, I'm working on a new album. So I'm hoping to get that out either in the summer or in the fall. But like I said, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> nice, man. Yo, thank you so much for doing this, Tay. I appreciate you. I'm yeah, no problem. Me? Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, no, I'm, I hear. I'm super proud of you. Keep doing your thing. I'm Thank so glad you. you got a chance to chop it up and uh, congrats on all your uh, success and all the future shows and uh, I can't wait for, uh, for me to hear the new album, man. I'm a bump. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I all appreciate right. it. I'm going to hit you back on the text right now when we get off, all right? Okay, cool. Thank you. Yo, MD Podcast, we did it. Peace and love. One love. Peace, peace. <laughs>